I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points, I've written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by words and deeds, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So that from Jerusalem and all the way to, around to Illyricum, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is the reason why I have often, so often been hindered from coming to you. But now, since I no longer have any room for my work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain, and to be helped on my journey there by you, once I've enjoyed your company for a while. At present, however, I'm going to Jerusalem, bringing aid to the saints. The Macedonia and Achaia have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have some to share in have come to share in their spiritual blessings, they are also to be of service to them in material blessings. When therefore I have completed this and I have delivered to them what I have collected, what has been collected, I will leave for Spain by way of you. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, so that God's, by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. May the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church at Kentray, that, that, <clears throat> that, that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and help her in whatever she may need from you, for she has been a patron of many and of myself as well. Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risk their lives for my neck, risk their neck for my life. <laughs> to whom, to whom not only, <laughs> to, not, to whom not only I give thanks, but all the churches of the Gentiles give thanks as well. Greet also the church in their house. Greet my beloved Epinetus, who was the first convert to Christ in Asia. Greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junior, my kinsmen and fellow fellow prisoners. They. Um, uh, are well known, not a great translation, but they're well known to the apostles, they're well known among the apostles, and, and they were in Christ before me. Greet Ampliatus, my beloved in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our fellow worker in Christ, and my beloved Stachys. Greet Apelles, who is approved in Christ. Greet those who belong to the family of Estribulus. Greet my kinsman Herodian. Greet those in the Lord who belong to the family of Narcissus. Greet Greet those workers in the Lord, Tryphena and Tryphosa. Greet the beloved Persis, who has worked hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Ansyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers who are with them. Greet... (laughs) 
I should have practiced this. Philologus, Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus, and all the saints who were with them, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them. For such persons do not serve our Lord Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, it's going on. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So to Lucius and Jason and Sosipata, my kinsmen, I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord on behalf of Paul. Gaius, who is, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer and the brother, Quartus, greets you. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith. To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. <laughs> so, how long have we got to work through this passage? <laughs> uh, we're not, obviously we're not going to cover the whole thing. I could have just read the sections that we're going to be looking at. But there's something, um, this is, this is the, uh, something actually I was speaking about even yesterday on a training day. Uh, something important about getting the whole flow of the Bible rather than just getting a few snippets here or there. Because if we, all we ever do when we read our Bibles is read a verse of the day here and a verse of the day here and a, a nice thought here, then we're completely distorting what the Bible is. The Bible is a store, is one coherent, unified story made up of lots of d- different elements and Paul's, and we're also distorting Paul's letter. It's one, we want to preach through it because it's one unified letter. He didn't, we didn't write it for it to be, obviously we preached a number of weeks. We haven't preached 16 chapters in one week we could do that but um but he 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 wrote it to be read out to the church in one go so and the impact it would have so read it yourself read all the way through romans if you can in one go at some point that'd be a good exercise i don't know depends how quickly you read it probably take an hour i guess an hour and a half maybe i'm a slow reader two hours um but it'll be a good exercise that's nothing to do with what i'm saying but i just thought i'd share that right in these two chapters we have from paul a kind of, I think, a, a, a drawing back into really the very heartbeat of Paul himself. Because up until now, it's been, we've called the series, the Romans, the gospel of God. There's been unpacking of great theological truth. That's the first eight chapters, all about the good news of Jesus, what he has done for us. And then, uh, and then chapters nine to 11 talk about the place of Israel in the church today and the Jew, place of Jews and Gentiles and the relationship between them. And then chapters 12 to 14, and the first half of 15 really talk about um, various practical issues in the church in Rome. And then we sort of get this end section, which kind of is divided into two parts. The chapter 15 part is what we see in Paul, his, his heartbeat of mission, his missional heartbeat, his missional impulse, if you like, the, the, the outward drive to those around him to get the gospel out there to those who don't yet know it. That's what we see. And that's what's driving. You know, Paul isn't a theologian sitting there writing this letter. Here's some nice truths for you. Here's some nice truths. Or I'll have a cup of tea and a cup of coffee and then I'll I don't know, go to the spa, and I'll come back and write some more. He's, he's a man who is giving himself, not that any of those things are bad, but he's a man who is giving himself to the purposes of God and to the mission of God. And he's writing this as part of that purpose that he's involved in. He's kind of, he writes these letters as part of that big picture, okay? And so we get his heartbeat of, 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 
of kind of where Romans is situated in his in his overall life's purpose. And then in chapter 16, with all these greetings, greeting after greeting after greeting, I wanted to read that because I think it's powerful. We see his heart and his love for the local church. And his, and his, and, and how he knows the people there and he, and, and, and the way he talks about them is, is really quite beautiful. And so we're going to sort of look at those two sections, but I think they belong together because, you know, at, at base level, the, the mission of God, the purpose of God that we're called to and the local church aren't two separate things. They actually belong together. And so if you want a title, if you like titles, uh, this morning, we're going to call it a family on mission together. A family on mission together because that is what we are. We're not some institution, organization who is saying we've got to do this. Here's a checklist of the purposes we've got to tick off for this week and next week. Actually, we're a family, relationships, loving one another, growing together and seeking to take the world for Jesus. That's who we are. Amen. One person's excited about that. Great. And so, so when we ask the question, why did Paul exist? I think we get hints of that in this chapter. Yes, it's the answer to that question is always for the glory of God and to worship God. But then when we unpack what that actually means, that doesn't mean he existed to sing songs forevermore in his life. It meant to worship God, to glorify God. He was giving himself to the purposes of God in his generation. That is, the, I think, the biggest way we can worship God is by giving ourselves to the purpose of God. Firstly, to know him and then to make him known in the world around us. And so um, a few hints that we pick up on this, this, this missional impulse, this gospel impulse in Paul. Chapter 15, verse 16. To, I'm called to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God. He's a minister of Christ. That's, just a, that's a, a posh word, but a servant of Christ. He knows that he is a servant of Christ in this, in this task of the gospel, of getting the gospel of God to the Gentiles, that is the non-Jewish people of the time. That was his big calling on his life. Verses 18 and 19. For I will not venture to speak of anything except, except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and by deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. So here we get a report of all that God has done through him, all that Christ has done through him to bring Gentiles to obedience. That is to bring them to salvation into the knowledge of Jesus and therefore to obedience in Jesus. And, and, and we get this beautiful picture of how, of a report of all that God has done through him, all that his life has been about. We just, it's just, this, this is the flavour of Paul's life. If you, if you, if you cut him in half, as it were, it'd be that you just see Jesus and the gospel exuding out of him, and he is so desperate to make Jesus known to those around him. That's, that's what we get from Paul in these verses. That's actually what we get right at the start of the letter. I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of all who believe. I'm not ashamed of it. I'm all about this gospel. I'm all about this person, Jesus Christ, and his death and his resurrection from the dead. That's what my life is about. And then as he looks to the future, we, it, it, it's not only, oh, I've done it. Because he's done, let's, let's be fair, Paul has done quite, quite a good work. He's achieved quite a lot. If you read that, you say, wow, yeah, yeah, you've done quite a lot. Compared to little old me in Durham or in Chester Street or wherever we all live, he's, he's done He's done a good, he's done a good work, but he is not finished. He knows that God has so much more for him. And so he looks ahead. And so in verses 20 and 21, he talks about his future ambition. I make it my ambition. I'm, I'm, I'm not finished yet. I make it my ambition. I'm pressing on to preach the gospel. Not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. And then in verse 24, we hear of his desire to go to Spain. You might think, 
Why do you want a nice holiday? He's not trying, his desire is to go to Spain to have a holiday, like it would be for us potentially. His desire is to go to Spain because that is an, yet, as yet an unreached people. That is where the gospel has not yet gone. And so he's saying, I want you, the church of Rome, to help me on my way there, maybe financially, maybe in prayer, as I go into that next part of my mission, mission journey. Paul. He's about the gospel of Jesus. He's about making it known. He's about, he, he exudes it in every way. Paul didn't just know the stuff, he did the stuff. He didn't just know the theology. He didn't just write, as I said before, he didn't just write this letter and think, oh yeah, this is good stuff. It had, it had done something in him. The knowledge of these truths had so transformed in his life that he was willing to devote his whole life to this purpose of making Jesus known. So the question for us is, has the gospel done that in our lives? Yes, it might well have saved us. For some of us, it might not yet even have saved us. Maybe we're coming here, we don't even think we're a follower of Jesus yet. I, I, I urge you, the gospel of Jesus Christ can transform you. It will transform your life if you just say, yes, I receive this free gift of salvation from my sin, from my mess that has been achieved by Jesus and his death on a cross and his resurrection from the dead 2,000 years ago. That's the first step. But some of us, yeah, we've done that. We've received that. But really, the sort of day-by-day influence in our lives, we're going about, we look, our lives look pretty much like everyone else around us. For some of us, maybe we think it was, yeah, we go to church on a Sunday sometimes, if we can get up in time or if we can, the other things in our lives don't get in, in the way of it. Um, but actually, that's, that's about the biggest priority in my life. That's, that's about as far as it goes. That's, that's not what we hear of Paul. That's not, that, Paul's not a, a Sunday Christian. I'll go to, I'll go to church. I'll get my, I'll get, I'll get fed up and then I'll try and get through the week and see what happens. No, he is, he is, he is existing for the glory of God and for the, and for those who don't yet know Jesus. That is the, his reason of existence. And I want to urge us that should be at the very heart of who we are and who we are as a community of faith. You might think of all sorts of modern day Pauls, all sorts of people who you see, and you think, wow, I see this. I see this passion for the gospel in their lives. Um, one, one person comes to my mind is this, uh, is, is a lady who came, he, she preached here maybe four years ago, I don't know, three or four years ago now, um, uh, called Miriam Swaffield, some of you may have heard of, and she just recently has moved from York to Middlesbrough, um, or a year ago, from York to Middlesbrough, um, just on her own, uh, because she felt God speak to her about making Jesus known in Middlesbrough. And she, I mean, she is an evangelist. So she, she kind of is a, a sort of modern day Paul in a sense. She is someone who just, she has that gift, if you like. She has that personality. And um, she's put out, we're not going to watch it this morning, but she's put out a little video about, um, which just sees some of, some of the, some of her heart and some of the influence that she's had in that place a year in. And sometimes we can say, oh, there's the Pauls of the world. There's the Miriams of the world. I'm not really like Paul. I'm not really like Miriam. I'm just me. I don't have that personality. I don't have that gifting. I'm not an evangelist. I, life is, is, is just not like that for me. But I want to say the, the heartbeat, the, 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 that missional gospel outward looking DNA, if you like, that Paul and Miriam, I would suggest, have is meant to be at the heart of each one of us. How that works itself out will be different for all of us, according to our personality, according to our gifts, according to our um, our life circumstances. And all of our spheres of influence will be different, but we all have a sphere of influence. So for us, it might not be like Paul. Our, our verse 19 might read differently. For Paul, it was so that Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. 
So for us, it might not be from Durham and all the way around to Middlesbrough and the northeast. I've fulfilled the ministry of the gospel. I've traveled around. I've preached the gospel. I've seen salvation. That might not be you. Probably isn't you. Maybe God is called you to do that. But I can tell you, you do have a sphere of influence. Maybe for you, it's from my family to my workplace. I fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Or from my neighbors, my street, to my whole village or town, in whatever that looks like, I've fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. I've been praying, I've been seeking, I've, been, I've, I've, I've had a heart and I've sought to do all that I can in my way to make Jesus known in my influence, in the, in the sphere that I'm in. But just think for yourself, what does it look like for you? What is your sphere of influence? And, 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 and the, the starting point, really, is not to say, right, come on. I need to get myself together. I need to be more, more focused on this gospel. I need to be more focused on the mission. I need to be more focused on, make, on, on sharing this love of Jesus with other people. That's not how it starts. It starts by fixing our eyes again on Jesus. By fixing our eyes again on things like chapters 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 of Romans. Or whatever, wherever you want to go. And fueling yourself with these truths about who he is and what he has done for you because as you get that into you at like Paul has got it into him it cannot but transform you and make you think outward it ca- it has to it has to you might still have fear like we've been hearing all along there might still be fear there might still be barriers but there is still this impulse that is in you which which is directing you outwards and I, I, I struggle because I'm not, I'm not a Paul and I'm not a Miriam and I'm not, I'm not one of these. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably 50, 50 introvert, extrovert. I'm certainly not an extreme extrovert. And, um, that's not, I like, I like preaching the Bible in front of Christians. That's what I like to do. Uh, I don't like to talk to non-Christians, uh, really. <laughs> yeah, to be no, I do, but I, I, I find it's just not my natural, it's just not naturally who I am. And yet God has called me. He has called me as his, as one of his sons to enjoy him, but also to invite others in. And so a few months ago, we moved to Great Lumley Village. And so we are, God has just been stirring again. What, what, how intentional are we being about our praying and our doing in terms of seeing those in our street hear about Jesus? That's not going to happen tomorrow, probably it might do. But you know, five months in or whatever it is now, it's, or six months in, it's probably not going to happen straight away. But we can be praying, we can be laying the groundwork, we can be building the relationships, and we can be saying, Lord, please, please, would you do something? And so I want to urge each one of us, whatever our, whatever our context is, do not write yourself off. Do not count yourself, count yourself out as someone who cannot do it because of my personality, my lack, my whatever. Interestingly, note what he says as well. A couple of key things that he says about how, the, how his ministry of the gospel has been fulfilled. Um, the first one, uh, I haven't got the verse written down, so I've got to find it. Verse 18, I will not venture to speak of anything except what? Except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience. Who does the work? What Christ has accomplished through me. That's so encouraging. Jesus wants to accomplish great things through you. And it's not just seeing people come to know Jesus. It's also helping others in the church. It's also helping people grow into maturity. And all of those things, don't mishear me. It's just I'm focusing on what Paul's focusing on in this passage. And that has got to be a, a part of each one of us that we, we desire for Jesus to bring people to him through us, through little old me. He could do it himself. And yet the way that God mysteriously, amazingly has chosen to do things on this earth is in partnership with his people, with humanity. Wow. 
that gives you a little bit of, it should give you, you're not, I'm not kind of big, big you up, but a bit of, wow, God actually, God actually thinks I'm worth using. God actually thinks I'm worth taking and speaking words of life and love to other people. God actually thinks I'm worth showing, demonstrating his word and deed. That's the next thing, jumping ahead, but word and deed. What he thinks I'm worth. Sh- being used to show love and compassion to that person who others in my workplace isn't showing love and compassion to, aren't showing love and compassion to. So the first is Jesus accomplishes it through Paul. He accomplishes it. He accomplishes it through you. And then he goes on into verse eighteen into nineteen by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God. Jesus does it through you. How? By word and deed. By the power of signs and wonders. Amen. <laughs> By the power of the Spirit of God. Who is the Spirit of God? He is God. He is God dwelling in you. You have the power of the Spirit of God living in you if you're a believer in Jesus. Wow. And so as I go to work, that transforms how I'm thinking as I go into that workplace. Jesus, you're, you're doing, going to do stuff through me, through words and through deeds and the Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, your power is what I need as I go into this place. And some of us right now are feeling this message is kind of going over our heads because life at the moment is so, so difficult. You think any talk about trying to help others come to know Jesus, I'm just trying to hang on to Jesus myself. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. First of all, God understands. This isn't a message of, oh, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to forget about myself completely. No, he wants us to, deal with things in our own lives as well it's the both and and there'll be kind of this toing and froing if you like in terms of what in terms of where the emphasis is if you like in terms of things that are going on in our life but i also encourage you have the power of the spirit of god and the power of the spirit of god can use the most weak things of the world the people who are just because you are struggling right now doesn't mean that you can't help someone else in fact you are probably more able to help someone else come to know jesus than someone who's who's just life is so good they're sort of forgetting about Jesus actually because <laughs> they're just focused on the material things of the world but you're probably clinging on to Jesus so tight that you can show Jesus in words and in deeds to other people more than others so don't count yourself out the power of the spirit of God Mark Dupont when he came a few months ago shared this word when he was up here of on the stage of um, the throne of Jesus and he had this, the throne of Jesus, uh, as we worship him, the throne of Jesus being established in this place, in Emmanuel Church. But he said, as he looked more closely, it was this massive throne. As he looked more closely, only a third of it or so, I mean, presumably it was a rough estimation, a third of it was inside the building. And two thirds of it were extending out the back of this building. That's got to be our harp. That's got to be part of who we are as a church and as individuals. That actually, yeah, we, we love Jesus, want to know Jesus, want to be so devoted to Jesus that he fills us and he fills our minds and our hearts with love. But also, we're so devoted to Jesus that we can't help but notice all, all who are missing Jesus around us, all who are living life without him and are ultimately on the way to eternity without him. When people get engaged or when they have a baby, or let's just take those two examples, what happens? Well, lots of things happen in both those situations. But one of the key things that happens often in our generation, in my generation anyway, um, uh, first of all, is Facebook is full of these posts. The engaged, they're engaged, they're engaged, everyone. Woo! They're engaged. And here's a baby photo and here's whatever else. 
And that's great. I mean, I think we did that. Uh, <laughs> and uh, that's fine. And I'm not against that. But wow, shouldn't, if that's how excited we get about getting engaged or about the having a baby, we should be so much more excited about the knowledge of Jesus that we're like, put it on Facebook. Uh, don't have to put it on Facebook, but, but put it wherever. Just put it out there. We want to make him known. This is good news. It is far better news than the fact that you've just got engaged or the fact that you've just had a baby. And that is that really challenges me because I don't always feel this good news. Hopefully this morning I want the weight of the good news to come upon us again. And it's good news first for ourselves. We need to. Paul didn't force himself into this, as I've, I've said already, but I'll just say it again. He 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 immersed himself in this truth of the gospel. He just lived in it, and as he did that, it bubbled out of him. <laughs> That's how it works. And so for some of us, the first step today is we need a change of our affections. We need to immerse ourselves in the gospel so that our greatest love is Jesus and not anything on this world. Because until our greatest love is Jesus, at least some of the time, because don't get me wrong, it's not going to be like 100% your greatest love. Well, maybe for me it's not. 100% my greatest love is Jesus. All sorts of other idols come up. But until it's, that's at least kind of up there and sometimes breaking through into first place. And I don't think we're going to see, I don't think we're going to have much desire and much influence around, around us because people want to join things that see others are very excited about. <laughs> so if you're inviting someone to Alpha, try and be a bit excited about the church and a bit, a bit excited about you. So a good step in the first step in inviting someone to Alpha is just, just to, just to share your journey of, of how you've come to where you are today and why you're even doing this weird thing of giving them this flyer. Because hopefully when you share that, say, oh, this person, this is kind of quite a big deal for this person. They're quite excited. It's not sort of, their church hasn't told, paid them 10 pounds to give me a flyer or whatever. <laughs> it's something they really want to want to do. I've got loads of notes and I've totally gone off piece. I don't know what to go, where to go next. Um, <laughs> as well as... We're going to skip that. I, we were going to watch a video from Steve Oliver. I'll, we'll put it on the website, I think, and you can just watch it because I don't want to, because it's going to take too much time. <laughs> Steve Oliver um, leads Regions Beyond, which is our, our group of churches. And it's just sort of a, a message from him greeting the church. But you can do that in your own time. We'll put it online. And sharing something about his heart for apostolic mission. Because what I wanted to, just what I want to touch on very briefly, I was going to spend longer, but I just want to say briefly is there are pools in the world today. The apostolic gift that Paul had, this traveling, church planting, um, joining churches together gift is still around. And we believe in that. We believe that's key to, to the health and vitality of a local church. They're not just focused on the locality because we are here for County Durham, yes, but we're also here for the world, for the nations. And so as we get caught up into this apostolic family, this wider family of regions beyond, um, led by Steve Oliver, we, we get our vision raised to this greater thing. And we, we get pictures of glimpses of that at the end of chapter 15 when he talks about the financial contributions that are given for, for other poor churches. And he talks about Paul asks for prayer for himself as he st- seeks to go into the, into new parts of new territories. And that's what we want to be as regions beyond. So I just want to urge you, watch this video, take the effort to go and watch it, and then um, if you don't already know anything about Regions Beyond, ask one of the elders, ask someone else that you know has been in the church for a while. Hopefully they'll know something about it. And, and just try to, try to 
catch up something. We're going to do all that we can to be better uh, at um, both regions beyond centrally and us locally <laughs> at passing around information about prayer points and things so that we can catch something of this, that we can be focused. This missional heart, this missional impulse is not just local, but it's also global. Amen. So there's a, there's a thing. So for the last few minutes, chapter 16, what a chapter. What a chapter. And all I really want to say on this is that we are, we are called to be family doing this together. What I've said isn't just, right, you go and do it, right, let's all just go and do our thing. This is a, this is an exhortation from Ali. I'm gonna maybe listen to it. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna seek to know Jesus more. I'm gonna seek to have that, uh, gospel devotion and make him known. But actually we, we, we're called to do it together. And I love some of the things. So just four people we're going to pick out. Phoebe. What did you say about Phoebe? She is a, a servant, a deacon. That's literally, literal Greek word is a deacon of the church. That's probably, the way it's written, it's probably a formal leadership role that she's in of the church there. And he asked them to welcome, welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to help her in whatever she may need for you. For she has been a patron of many and myself as well. In other words, Phoebe is someone who has, patron is someone who has used her money, her financial and her status to help others who, who need her help, most likely foreign people who have come in. And she says she's helped Paul in that way as well. So here's someone, one of her big roles in this great family on a mission together is to use her wealth and her status to help others advance the gospel. Wow. Maybe some of us, that's something we could do. Um, what about Prisca or Priscilla and Aquila, a husband and wife team we read about in Acts quite a lot. Uh, what a power team they were. Some of us, we know as, as husbands and wives, we're called to do things together like Pris- Priscilla and Aquila were. We'll start doing it together if that's what God's called you. Not every, obviously every husband and wife has a togetherness, but there's sometimes there is a real kind of, we, we, have, we have the same sort of gifting and calling on our lives and we're going to do this together. They were, they, were, they were a Bible teaching power team. We want female, male Bible teachers to do this, to get Jesus made, made known. They would disciple people and led people to greater levels of faith. They traveled from place to place. We know they, went, they lived in Pontus, Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, then Rome again, then Ephesus. That's not an easy life. That's a lot of traveling. And uh, they gave themselves to the purposes of God in that generation. It says they risked their necks for Paul's life. Wow. We don't really know what he's talking about, but it sounds like they made pretty... Big sacrifice, maybe, maybe even sacrifice their own possible, didn't sacrifice their lives, but the threat on their own lives to help Paul. That is sacrificial service for one another. Mary, it says, worked hard for you. I like that. Just Mary who has worked hard for you as a church. Some of us just called, whatever it looks like, we're called to work hard for the church in this great gospel mission that we, we've, we've got. It might be even the most menial task. It's not menial in the eyes of God. And Paul, I love the way Paul, it, it probably, I, I guess it is probably something quite menial in the world's eyes that, that, that Mary does. He says, he, he, he points around and says, Mary has worked hard for you. Don't discount you. You think, oh, I'm just doing more of the behind the scenes stuff. That's all part of this great big mission that God has called us to. Um, and I just want to uh, introduce you to a few Marys in the church. Um, and uh, some of them you'll know. And these are, these are not at all um they're not doing menial things at all. <laughs> so they don't miss me, but they're people who are working hard for the church. So I'm, I could name probably a lot of people here. So I'm just going to specify uh, our deacons. Uh, so Jenny, well, what a Mary she is to the church. Gives herself. Come on, let's give them a clap. <laughs> Gives herself for the church and, and, and the finances of the church to help us go forward in a, in a good way. <laughs> Uh, Pam, I don't know if she's here, some of these people aren't here, I don't think, but Pam Borman, who, who gives herself in terms of helping us be a welcoming church on Sunday mornings. 
Ryan, who gives himself um, in helping us have great worship teams and worship be able to encounter Jesus. Thank you, Ryan. Let's give him a clap. John and Becca, come on, who give themselves to the students and who will be flocking back soon. Uh, <laughs> and then their work will increase, praise God. And, then they will <laughs> and they'll give themselves and they've done an amazing job and they're doing an amazing job. Um, Pete and Ali, who are almost certainly out with the kids if they're here today, um, give themselves to the kids' work. Uh, 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 Stephen Jones, who I, again, I haven't seen, but maybe he's here, is he? Pardon? Stephen? Stand up soon, I can't see you. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> gives himself for the pastoral work of this church. And Mark, who I know is away, who gives himself for the communications of this church. Wow. And I could name loads and loads more, but they were just kind of, I didn't want to think oh, some people would be left out. I thought if I just pick the deacons, safe, safe, because they're a specified number of people. And the final person to point out before we draw to a close is Rufus's mother. Wow. I love what it says about Rufus's mother. What does it say? Greek Rufus, chosen in the Lord, that's good in itself. Also his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Wow. Being a, a mother, a spiritual mother it seems, in some way to the Apostle Paul. That is, a, that is a high calling. And some of us are called to be mothers and fathers. Spiritual mothers and fathers to others in the church, outside the church, who we're seeking to draw to Jesus to come alongside people, to, to invest our time, our wisdom, our energy in others. That is a seriously, seriously significant job. We need so many more mothers in this church, spiritual mothers. We need so many more spiritual fathers in this church. We need both. So in these simple greetings, Paul paints a vision of a healthy church. It's a healthy church on mission together with this apostolic mandate that he, he, he gives in chapter 15. And he's saying, this is all part of the same thing, really. I'm giving these greetings. This is what the local church should look like, a family loving one another, playing, all playing our part. But it's all in this big picture of this great mission that God has called us to, not just the Pauls, but each one of us to make Jesus known to the ends of the earth. And so Emmanuel Church, today God is reminding us of our calling. And the calling starts... As I said right near the beginning, it starts with coming back to Jesus and fixing your eyes on him. It's always the way it starts. It's always how we need to, when, well, here's a challenge from a sermon. It's not, come on, let's go. It's, come on, Jesus, where are you? I need to see you fresh to be able to be empowered for this great call. And so before we're anyone else's patron in the church or outside the church, Jesus is first our patron. Jesus came alongside us. He, he... <laughs> On the cross, he, came, he, he, he used, if you like, his spiritual wealth, his, his great wealth. He had all heavenly wealth, and yet he laid it aside. And on the cross, he enabled us to come into that, to that wealth that he had, to, to be helped where we were really spiritually poor. Jesus, before we risk our necks for anyone else, Jesus first risked his neck on a cross for us. Before you think, I'm going the extra mile for that person, remember what Jesus has first done for you in dying on the cross and taking you out of your sin as he died there. Before we work hard for anyone else, no, Jesus Christ has worked extremely hard for you through his life and his death and his resurrection. It was hard work. He sweat blood at one point. Before we come alongside others as mothers and fathers spiritually, Jesus Christ has come alongside and he has invested in us 
and he is he is supported us he is he has and he is raising us up into spiritual maturity that is that is what he wants to do with you and with us as the church and so i don't want to i don't want this to be a go a kind of a come on guys let's go get the message <laughs> i want this to be a come on let's look at jesus message and let's make him known in our church as we love in, in word and deeds we care for one another and out there with signs and wonders with the power of the spirit of god Let's stand.